Kathy had her wedding all planned by the time she was in middle school. She was going to meet Mr. Wright when she turned 27, and they were going to date for a year. After that, they'd get engaged, and they'd be engaged for one more year, and then they would get married. But by the time Kathy turned 27, instead of finding a husband, she found a lump in her breast. And after years of harsh chemotherapy and painful surgeries, our family rallied around her, and Kathy recovered. And she was ready to go out there and find a husband again, as soon as her eyebrows grew back in. Because apparently, when you go on dates in New York City, you need to be able to express a wide range of emotions. So uh, she went back out there, and she met, had a boyfriend named Rich. And she fell in love. And uh, she loved everything about Rich. And after a long weekend in the New England area, uh, Rich made uh, a reservation at their favorite restaurant. And Kathy just knew that Rich was going to propose. But instead of receiving a diamond ring that evening, Rich said to her, Kathy, you mean a lot to me, but I don't love you. We need to break up. And Kathy's heart was broken, and now she had to go through another recovery. And after five months, she still couldn't get over rich. So how is this possible? That you have a strong young woman who is strong enough to be able to fight cancer, but is knocked off her feet by a breakup. And that leads us to our new sermon series called When Relationships Create Scars. And I think most of us probably got some form of our expectations for what relationships should be like from Disney movies. We watched lots of Disney movies growing up. There's a princess, and she's trapped somewhere, and a prince comes and saves her, and then the famous words pop up on the screen. They lived happily ever after. And that carries over to our life. Uh, we believe that, uh, you know, when we're young, we start to think about what our wedding day would be like. We start thinking about how old we'll be when we get married. And we're looking for the perfect person. And we think that we'll live happily ever after, after we meet our soulmate and after we have that perfect wedding. But what happens when that happily ever after doesn't come? What happens instead when your relationship falls apart? What happens when you meet Prince Charming, but then you get married and he begins to belittle you and disrespect you? What happens when you find out that your partner is addicted to pornography? What happens when relationships create scars? So for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about some more painful topics. We're going to talk about the breakup scar, the abuse scar, the pornography scar, the marriage conflict scar, and the singleness scar. And there's really two reasons why I wanted to do this series. And the big one is, um, I know there are people in this room who are wrestling with these topics or are impacted by them. And maybe you've never heard a sermon before on pornography, abuse, or singleness. And I'm excited to see and hopeful that applying the gospel message to this area of your life, you will find healing. That's the big reason. But the second reason is because I want this church to be an honest church. And I think it's easy for churches to fall into a trap where you come on Sunday morning and you're just supposed to pretend that your life is put together. Someone asks you how you're doing and you say, I'm great or I'm blessed, when really you're struggling about something. 
So my prayer and hope is that going through these sermons, we, be, we, we create an atmosphere of honesty in this church that if you're going through something that's tough to talk about, something awkward to talk about, uh, that you would be able to be comfortable talking to me or somebody else in this church about one of these painful topics that you're struggling with. So today, let's begin by talking about uh, the breakup scar. Uh, the previous story I told you was by this guy named Guy Winch. He's a psychologist, and Kathy was his patient. And he wrote a book called How to Fix a Broken Heart. And he said, Heartbreak is a master manipulator. The ease with which it gets into our mind to do the absolute opposite of what we need in order to recover is remarkable. So Guy Winch says that heartbreak is a master manipulator. Often we think to ourselves of ways that how we can recover from a broken heart, but instead it ends up doing the opposite. So we find ourselves looking at old pictures of our ex on social media or eating big bowls of Ben and Jerry ice cream or constantly retelling that breakup story. And we think that that's going to make us feel better, but instead it just makes the wound that much more painful. Heartbreak's a master manipulator. We usually don't have the right tools it takes to be able to recover from uh, somebody abandoning us like in a breakup. And I understand that there are people in this room that might be going through the pain of a breakup. You might still have that fresh pain from a divorce. But I also know that there are probably lots of people in this room that are in great relationships. You've been happily married for years, and you haven't had a breakup in so many years. But I think the idea of looking at breakups uh, reveals some deep insights into all of our hearts. Each one of us craves to be loved. We crave to have intimacy and security and significance. And often we look to that in relationships. So then when a relationship falls apart, it makes sense that our hearts break and that we're crushed. So I'm going to tell you a story today from the Bible about a woman who uh, struggled with heartbreak. And her name was Leah. Leah had a sister named Rachel. And Leah knew that compared to Rachel, she wasn't anything special to look at. This is the way the Bible describes them. It says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And some Bible scholars, they debate what that phrase, weak eyes, means. But it's pretty evident that it's not talking about eyesight. Because it doesn't say Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had 20-20 vision. It doesn't say Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel could see like a hawk. No, it says that Rachel has a great shape and a pretty face, and Leah wasn't anything special to look at. So when the strapping young bachelor named Jacob came to town, it wasn't a surprise that he liked Leah more than Rachel, or he liked Rachel more than Leah. Rachel was a pretty one, and he fell in love with her right away. And so he talked to uh, Rachel's father about marrying her, and her father agreed. But when the wedding day came, uh, Rachel's father pulled a fast one on Jacob and tricked him into marrying Leah instead. Don't ask me how that happened. Uh, maybe there was a big veil involved and lots of alcohol. I don't know how you wouldn't be able to not notice the person who you marry on your wedding day. Uh, but somehow it happened. So uh, Jacob found himself married to Leah, the uglier of the two sisters. And as you can imagine, he was furious. And he demanded that he married Rachel. So the father agreed, and he got to marry Rachel too. 
So now there's these two sisters married to the same man. And as you can imagine, uh, that's not a good situation. And Jacob loved Rachel, and now Leah found herself in a relationship with a man who didn't love her. So she came up with a plan to get this love from her husband. This is what she did. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. So she had this plan. She thought to herself, Sure, I might not be as pretty as Rachel, but if I can be the first one to produce a child for Jacob, then he will love me. So she had a child, and she named him Reuben. And Jacob didn't love her any more than he did before. So she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. She thought to herself, okay, well, maybe if I have two sons, then that will be the way how I get attention from Jacob. That didn't work either. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now, at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. So the first two times it didn't work, but third time's a charm. Having another child, uh, surely this must make Jacob love her. And back then, the more children you had as a woman, that was kind of a sign of social status. The more children you had, the higher social status you would have. So she thought to herself, come on, uh, Rachel hasn't given Jacob any children, and I've given him three. Surely I must become the favorite wife now. See, what Leah was trying to do was she was turning to Jacob for love, security, intimacy, and significance. But Jacob was failing her. And all three times she came up with this plan. She thought that the heartbreak was a master manipulator and it was manipulating her into thinking that if I could have a child to impress my husband, then he would love me more. But three times this didn't work. So she switched up her strategy. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. So Leah was done trying to impress Jacob. Instead, she had another child and dedicated him to the Lord. And what's interesting is that Judah ended up being the son that led to him being in the line to the Savior of Jesus Christ. She stopped trying to impress Jacob, and instead she turned to the Lord, and the Lord did not disappoint her. And that leads to our big point for our message today. Love from a man or a woman can never replace the love of the Lord. It's so easy for us to think about relationships. The culture that we live in puts so much emphasis on it. We love watching rom-coms and listening to love songs on the radio. Girls have their wedding planned on Pinterest before they even have a boyfriend. Guys dream about having a girl that's so pretty that makes all their friends jealous. We love talking about relationships and watching movies and listening to songs about them. But I need you to know that the love from a person can never replace a love from the Lord. Knowing the Lord is so much more important than being in a romantic relationship. But this is a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? So many of us have done terrible things in relationships or have tried so much hard to be in a relationship because we think that romance is the only way to true happiness. 
so I'm happily married right now. But before I got married, I was in about three relationships. And with the permission of my wife, um, I'm going to tell you all three breakup stories today before the sermon's over. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to hear about your pastor's dating life? So here we go, two of them right away. Uh, The first real girlfriend I had was when I went off to college. We met right away, and for two years, I was that annoying couple. You know, that annoying couple where you, like, hold hands and walk everywhere to class together. And we started having some more serious conversations, started talking about ring shopping and possibly getting married. But it just became evident to me that uh, that's not the direction I should go with this girl. So we broke up. And it was painful. So you know what uh, I thought would fix that pain? Trying to get in a new relationship as fast as I could. So there's a summer in between there, but when I came back the next year to college, I was on the hunt. I was ready to date a new girl. And I found another girl, and we talked, and it turned out we didn't have that much in common. But we dated anyways, lasted about two months, and then we broke up. So now, instead of healing from the first breakup, now I had to go through two breakups and heal from that pain. And maybe my story can relate to you. I think there are so many people out there that you go through a breakup and your immediate response is, how do I get rid of this pain? Well, I get in a new relationship. And that makes sense. If you think that romance is the ultimate goal in life, the ultimate form of your happiness, Of course. Of course you're going to try and get into a next relationship because that's the way that makes you significant. That's being even more important than knowing about Jesus is being in that right relationship with somebody else. But when we do that, we turn romance into an idol. When we look to a romantic relationship uh, for our own personal significance and uh, ultimate joy in life, we are turning to a person or a romantic relationship for things that we should only turn to for God. And that just shows that deep down we're wired for intimacy and so often we turn to all the wrong sources like a romantic relationship to try and get that security. Heartbreak is a master manipulator. I'm going to tell you another story from the Bible about a woman that was very familiar with breakups. She met a man and she was very excited about that relationship and she got married But then he broke up with her. They got a divorce. So you know what her immediate thought was? I should try and get in another relationship. And she met someone new. And she got married to him. And then he divorced her. And this happened five times. Five times she went to another man thinking that this guy is Mr. Right. He's the guy that I've been looking for this whole time. The last guys, they were bad for me, but this is the one I'm supposed to be with. And that's when she met Jesus, sitting at a well. And Jesus asked her for a drink. And she was so surprised that he was even talking to her. And uh, Jesus said, hey, could you go get your husband? And this woman said, I don't have a husband. And that's when Jesus said, I know that you don't have a husband. In fact, you've been married five times, and the man that you're sleeping with right now isn't your husband either. And this woman was so surprised. This was her deepest secret in her life. And this man who she just met for the first time knew about her dark past. So she asked him, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am he. 
Jesus had to go through this dark pain in her life. He had to show her the problem that she had of all this, those ways that her heart had been manipulating her into thinking that men would give her significance in life. But instead of saying there's more fish out there in the sea or introducing her to a new young bachelor, he pointed her to the true source of healing, to himself. He said, I am the Savior. I am the only one that can give you love and significance in life. I'm the one who came to this world to pay for all of your sins. And the lesson that this woman needed to learn was that love from a man or woman can never replace the love of the Lord. Five times over, she's tried that strategy. She thought that I will finally find the guy that's going to treat me right and that will make me live happily ever after. But five times over, it didn't work. But then she met Jesus and learned that he was the Messiah. And things... And that's the best thing she ever could have learned. And I know that there are people in this room that have suffered from some severe form of heartbreak or divorce. But have you ever felt abandoned before? You know who else did? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was abandoned by those closest to him. And he died on a cross so that we could be in a relationship with him forever. And it's easy for us to turn to relationships to think that this is the way that I'm going to be fully happy in life. But Jesus tells us there is no better relationship than knowing him. I've been in about, been able to stand up in about five different weddings of five of my closest friends. And one of my favorite parts about weddings is when I get to be able to see the groom see his bride for the very first time. It's great to be able to, as a groomsman, get that front row seat and be able to see one of my friends just gush over seeing his bride for the first time. And guys who are husbands in here, maybe you remember that moment. I have a couple pictures I found from the internet uh, capturing this moment. Uh, Look at this guy. He's so surprised to be able to see his wife the first time. This, you can kind of see the transition in this guy's face, how he's just shocked to be able to see his bride. Or maybe you've seen like big, tough guys that actually break down and cry when they see their bride for the first time. And the reason why I show you these pictures is because of this Bible verse. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. We've done so many things wrong. We've had our heart manipulate us into doing terrible things so many times. But this is the way that God sees you. God is jumping up and down, rejoicing over you. He doesn't see your faults or your sins. Instead, all he does is he looks at you and he rejoices because of what he did on the cross. Someone might have left you, but Jesus will never leave you. Someone might have said, we should see other people, but Jesus rejoices over you. Someone might have broken up with you, but Jesus will never break up with you. So for the people in this room that are suffering from some form of heartbreak, or maybe you'll go through it in the future, I need you to know that love from a man or woman can never replace the love of the Lord. Knowing that Jesus is rejoicing over you will help you deal with whatever pain you're going through in this life. And Jesus is the one who will continue to watch over you and protect you, and his love is better than that from any other relationship. The third time I was in a relationship was a couple of years ago while I was at the seminary. And I met a girl at a wedding, actually. I thought she was the prettiest bridesmaid, so I went up to talk to her. And it turned out she was single. And even better, she was Wells. And I was so excited. And we started to talk, and we, uh, we started dating. And everything was perfect. 
except for the three-and-a-half-hour car, three car ride between me and her. And instead of being in a healthy, supportive uh, relationship, I ended up being in a relationship with my phone. And I would sit around kind of all day just waiting for that text message to come, waiting for that phone call. And sometimes it would come, and other times it wouldn't. And I ended up feeling more lonely in that relationship than being a single person. And I told her about this, and I said I needed more out of this relationship. But she was busy with grad school, um, so we broke up. But you know what? All those things that I was looking for in that relationship, I already had through Jesus Christ. I wanted somebody who cared about me, someone who loved me. And Jesus loves me more than any romantic partner ever could. Jesus sees past all my faults and forgives me all my sins. And Jesus always wants to hear from me and always invites me uh, for prayer. And the same is true with you. Jesus is a better relationship than anyone you could ever meet. He proved that by dying on a cross for you. Jesus will never break up with you. We do this all in his name. Amen.